Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now, in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Hi, guys. Welcome back to My Opinion and another episode of Motivation Monday with Maya. I'm so excited today. I have a really cool guest. Her name is Jane Finette. She is the author of a new book called Unlocked and also the founder of The Coaching Fellowship. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mara. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you. We have so much to talk about. We were already chatting before the recording started and so excited to have you here. The first thing I want to talk about and unpack is the book. This is kind of your labor of love, something that you did during COVID. We all had our COVID projects. Tell us about the book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it came out in October. As you said, I'm a brand new author. Uh, It was uh, actually remarkably easy for me to write it, which I thought that that would be a huge thing. So I guess when you said it was my you know, my labor of love, it really was. And because it's so, it's tied up into so much that I care about and want to see in the world. And I did write it during COVID and it was my reaction to the news that was coming out that of course, I mean, there were so many terrible headlines that we were all enduring. Uh, The ones for me that were hitting home the most were around women's rights and um, women's progress going backwards. The World Economic Forum said, we'd lost 36 years of progress in 2020 alone. And in fact, even now, we're at the uh, the lowest numbers of women in the workforce uh, that we've seen in 30 years. Um, so whether that was us going back through, backwards economically, or if you look at um, the Malala Fund, um, you know, 32 million girls didn't go to school today, and that wasn't because they didn't want to. And they said that through COVID, there's going to be another um, another 2 million girls that would be added to that list. So, you know, these are, um, you know, really depressing. It gives me kind of chills actually sharing those stats with you. Me too. Again, me too. And, and yet, you know, so we're sort of feeling overwhelmed and really stuck with how on earth are we going to make up that time? We've made such little games as it was, as as women 110 years after the vote were still fighting for rights to our body, to equal pay, um, uh, to you know uh, all of the opportunities that uh, that our male colleagues are, are uh, um, able to have access to, and yet we've got to make up 36 years of progress on top of that. So, you know, I did some homework, and I um, because. I was like, gosh. So, what do you know? What is this? What is the silver bullet? What is the what is the thing? Um, and really, when it came down to it, for me, it was really in the small actions that other women had taken to help me on my way. And the more I thought about it, and the more I talked about it with others, uh, other women, you know, they all told me the same thing. It wasn't actually um, some huge introduction that had been made, some huge job that they'd they'd got. Actually, it was in the quieter moments where it was uh, a dear friend giving someone the confidence to actually apply, even be in the arena, as Brené Brown says, right, to actually go and do something, to say yes to uh, traveling when you have children, you know, and these things. So um, it was really um, very, very small, intimate things. And I just thought to myself, my gosh, well, if if that is such a big part of it, the motivation, the thing that we as women really need, we can do that for each other. We can, and we do, we do it within small groups. We do it with our close sisters, whether they're relatives or not. We don't do it in the workplace. You know, suddenly you get in in the office or the virtual office these days, and then we act differently and we're different people. And it's actually at this point that we need our sisters more than ever, because that's where we can help each other rise and thrive. And why do you think that is? I want to keep talking about the book, though, but I want to stop on that point. Why do you think we act differently in the workplace? Because I think you're so right and you're so onto something here, Jane, with the support. And I 
I'm reflecting myself. Like I always do on these episodes, my listeners know this and I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, yes, it was that moment when my, you know, my bestie said, just go for it, girl, you got this. Or like when my girlfriend who started her business before me was like, you can do that too. You know, or like my new friend who's also an entrepreneur is like, a little ahead of me or something, right? Is like, you can do this. So those moments, but why in the workplace, I find more the traditional workplace versus when we go out on our own or something like that, you have more cheerleaders. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that happens? Why do you think the culture shifts? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, certainly from, I mean, also my experience uh, too, uh, you know, we're working in environments where there are more male-dominated uh, leaders, male-dominated organizations. And, um, you know, I think it's such a great shame because we're, we're talking about women here, but I don't think men are also able to share in the workplace either, right? It feels like there's a lot somehow... I'm going to be less than. Uh, it's about ego. It's about protecting one's status. And if I share, oh, I need help or I'm struggling or something, then you're immediately weak. And yet, isn't it always the case that those people who actually, you know, maybe in a, a position of leadership and will demonstrate their vulnerability, that we see them as even more greater leaders for showing us part of themselves. Um, but there's so much of this which needs unpacking. But I do think that we don't have the models, the role models that we that we need. It's changing, which is fabulous. And um, one of the things I love to, to talk about with role models is to actually be very real and be real as women in that, in our experience, right, as being a woman in a leadership position and how challenging that might be um to be to really bring our full authentic selves into into the picture but it's it's crazy hard and yet we were sharing this before um women are going to be two and a half times more successful they say if they have a strong support system of women around them in the workplace so you know it it pays um to share but it is so hard to let our guard down and be be the first one to be vulnerable it is. And you know what we should be saying, Jane? We should not be saying unpacking. We should be saying unlocking instead. I just oh, realized that. <laughs> we should be doing that, right? Gosh, that's that's what we're that doing, one. right? It so we're unlocking. We're unlocking today. We're not unpacking. We're unlocking. So, but no, you're, you're right. And I hear you completely because I'm reflecting back to my time in corporate America, especially the, the really dominant male years. And you know, I didn't want to be the one to be vulnerable, especially around all the men. But like, there's a part of me that wished, which is why I started this podcast, wished that I was the first woman to be like, wow, here are the things I'm struggling with. Here's what's going on. Because vulnerability, people think equals weakness. That's absolutely false. We like, we have to think, who are the people we look up to? Who are the people that we admire the most? The people who are vulnerable, show their weaknesses. And that's what inspires us. We look at those people and we go, oh my God, so they had a really horrible childhood or they overcame cancer or a death or a loss or, and it doesn't have to be that extreme, but I'm just bringing up things. Those are the people that inspire us. So why are we so afraid to unlock the things that we are going through, right? Yeah. Why do we think of weak? It's Less a weakness. Than. It is. And it yeah. makes us less than, and that yeah. needs to be unlocked within us. And it really needs to be broken. And I think it's something that we, we put within ourselves as women because of the masculine pressure. I do think so in the workplace because of this whole, it's the masculine energy, stay strong, keep it within, but it's ironic because what we see as strength, what we admire is vulnerability. And so it's starting to recognize that and understanding that. So let's talk a little more about your book and then I want to get into what you're doing now, but tell it, walk us through just kind of high level, what the book is about and, you know, who should read it because there's a lot of stuff in the book that, that you're talking about. <laughs> there, there is. There powerful. Is. And like, it breaks my heart what happened during COVID for women. And we got a lot of ground to cover ladies. Ladies and gentlemen. So Ladies and tell, gentlemen. That's so yeah. true. So it tell is. us about the book. Give us a high level. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you so much. Well, um, you know, I'm a really positive person, even though things are difficult. They're still difficult, right? We're in our second year of the of the pandemic. We got a, uh, a war in Europe. I mean, this this crazy things that we're we're having to endure and yet um so i wanted the book to be part inspiration and part practical and i have had the great i know we're going to talk a little bit more about the coaching fellowship my organization but i get to work with awesome women nonprofit leaders like all day long that's my job i know it is you too how much you work with nonprofit leaders as well my so um I was like, I know stories. I know women who are making the most incredible difference in the world for women and girls. And those stories don't get talked about. You know, um, we know um, there's only 2% of all nonprofit funding that goes to women's organizations. Um, so, not, you know, the stories aren't told, they're not funded, and yet, so much great work is, is happening. So first of all, I was like, well, okay, well, I'm just going to tell the stories that are not being told. And so whether that was about Tracy Chow, who was really Silicon Valley's diversity uh, activist, I, I, she didn't know what she was doing at the time. She wrote a blog post which blew up and completely changed the face of Silicon Valley and tech companies um, uh, disclosing their data in terms of how many women are in leadership positions in technology and people of color. So now Google, Facebook, you name it, will release every year an annual diversity report. Trace that all the way back to Tracy Chill. She was a coaching fellow of ours in 2015. She was 25 years old. So, and she yeah, had no I, idea. I think a lot of us have heard of Tracy. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And she was wow. just actually uh, named one of Time Magazine's top, uh, I don't know if it was top 20 or 50 women actually in the world. Wow. So incredible young women. Um, or, you know, we're looking at Faresh Farreau who ran the, started the first coding school for young girls in Afghanistan um, and shared her story of being a refugee and what she's done to help girls in Afghanistan. Of course, there's a very interesting story these days, given uh, what happened in August last year. And uh, we just heard even uh, this was yesterday that the Taliban have just, you know, reneged on their decision to allow girls back into school. But she is finding a way forward to, to ensure that girls get an education and um, can grow out of poverty and uh, have their own sense of empowerment. So th these stories were important. Um, and why I picked those stories was because they all started as, I mean, as everything does, with a super small seed, a super small action. So when we think, oh my God, look at Tracy Chow, she's now Time Magazine's top woman. How did she get there? She wrote a blog post. Well, most of us feel pretty comfortable these days writing a blog, but who knows? Who knows what that one small action will take? So the second half of the book are 10 keys, which we can all take and do every day. They don't require any special training or anything like that. They're pretty human traits, uh, you'll discover, that we can all practice each day to help another sister in our life rise and thrive. I love that, to help unlock the keys. Have you thought about starting a podcast, but the only thing that's holding you back is finding that perfect co-host to launch that podcast with? We understand that challenge here at findacohost.com. And that's exactly why we launched our white glove service to help you find your perfect match at findacohost.com. Right now, we are in our beta mode and we're helping podcasters or future podcasters just like you find your perfect match. Visit us at findacohost.com and use our complimentary code VIP100 to test out our service right now and find your perfect match and start podcasting today. I love this yes. to help unlock yes. 10 keys. Okay. So can you give us just a little preview? What's the first one? Yeah. The first one is, uh, it's the easiest. That's <laughs> perfect. Say, okay. Just say yes. It's just say yes. So if a woman has actually come to you and asked for help as women listening on this podcast with you, Myra, we know she's gone through seven shades of hell, right? To actually get the courage to say, I need some help people. Like, can you, can you help me? And whether that was an introduction, 
10 minutes of your time, some advice, whatever it was. But if she's got to the point where she asked you for help, please just say yes. And then, of course, if you can't help, it's okay. But let her know. Even, even so, just let her know, I'm so sorry, I can't. But don't just ignore her. Because also, if we don't hear back from you, we're probably not going to try again. You know, so uh, we're busy. Women ha are also, you know, oversubscribed. So we can't always do everything. But even just acknowledging that someone reached out and asked for help will encourage her to go, go forward and, and help some more. Can I tell you my favorite? Well, yes, I want to, I want to comment on, on number one real quick. Oh, yes, please. Because, Sorry. Oh my God. I love that. You never have to apologize to me, Jane. I'm just loving this. I'm eating this up. So I love number one because you're absolutely right. And you know, this is something I've experienced. I'm sure everyone listening has experienced that too. Right. You know, just say yes. And sometimes when you read something or someone reaches out, you're like, Oh God, do I really want to do this? It doesn't mean that you have to do that thing. It's acknowledging that person. It's giving that person like life. It's telling them, yes, you exist. No, I might not be the right fit for this. And, you know, we were kind of chatting about the podcast and, you know, different things and we get inundated. And I, I feel so blessed by this, but we get inundated with so many women that want to be on the podcast and it's not always a fit, but my team and myself always personally get back to every single person. And that is our version of saying yes, because we will give you guidance as to whether it's a fit or not, and even steer you in a direction of where you might be a fit, because we want to say yes. We don't want to say no. And that's our version of yes. And I think it's va very validating because it takes a lot to put that together and to reach out. And it's really scary when you reach out for, yeah. for, for help for anything. out there. Absolutely. So I'm totally validating this. I love this. And I think this is a huge wealth of information. Okay. So tell me your favorite. Okay. I, I love more tips. Which favorite one? <laughs> what, what number is it, Jane? It's number, number five. Number okay. five. Um, and it's, uh, it's one that I am struggling with. So that's why I'm like, it's my excuse to, uh, and you're to being vulnerable. I love it. You're being vulnerable. So you're struggling <laughs> with this. I love it. Okay. Okay. So number five is actually talk about money. Man, that's a tough one. It really is for me. I think, I, I think a lot of people struggle with this. Yeah, it, they do. And, you know, so, uh, there's, that's a massive topic, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, women are earning in America 82 cents on a dollar compared to our male counterparts. Um, crazy stats, like 80% of women over the age of 65 in America have the potential. So it is a potential to retire into poverty, right? Insane. This cannot be true. Um, but it makes sense, right? If we've earned less throughout our working life and then uh, we haven't felt comfortable with our money and there's a lot of the shame if we don't have it, the shame if we do have it. And uh, the current financial products don't really speak to women. They kind of make you feel stupid. Um, and also they don't always honor women's values and how we want to invest. So nope, not really interested in investing in oil. Uh, love to investigate, uh, in, investigate uh, invest in education green tech, whatever it might be. You know, I want the visibility and transparency. I want to see what my money's doing. Yeah. Very few of those products around um, today. So yes, we haven't had the opportunity to learn about money and then wisely invest our money by the time we get to 65. Yeah. Like we literally have our savings accounts and as we know it right now, it's just above zero percent in interest right now you, so. you get a you get a couple cents and then you get sent on your way right and i think to add to that too women want to invest in other women and like we don't always know how to do that right like we're investing in each other having this conversation right but like how do i invest in another women's company oh, how do i support I her that. right and how yeah. do we create wealth together right so we build in other ways. Like there's men out there doing that, of course, investing in companies, but women really want to help and invest and support. And also we love to help minorities and diversity Absolutely. and inclusion. A huge thing. I know we're about to get into that too, but money is, I love that that's your favorite one. Oh my gosh. And I love that you're being vulnerable and saying that is something you struggle oh, with. It so is, how, did you, it how did you write about it 
while struggling is it because it was so personal you were able to kind of write this yeah um well the the uh the unlocking moment for me in that was that i got to speak to um uh kat berman and she's the founder of c note and uh which is an organization which is investing actually which you can invest actually in c note your own money i think it's pretty it's pretty small literally sort of it's not always small but for five hundred dollars kind of you, you know you can get started and that money um uh, goes into women and minority-owned businesses in oh, across fabulous. America. Yeah. So, um, and in, in describing, uh, well, I did my research, um, you know, as you, you would do for a podcast, I did it for my interview. And there was all of these financial mechanisms and things that had been written up. And I was like, holy moly, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm supposed to ask this woman all these things about finance and I hadn't a clue. And I, I don't quite remember actually how I started the conversation, but at one point, she told me that uh, she had had a conversation with a high court judge like the Friday night before who had confided in her that she didn't know anything about money and investing and she just was so embarrassed. And, I, and at that point, I was like, oh, thank God, because I am terrified of this interview with you, Kat, and I don't know what I'm doing. And so for me, it was uh, to actually hear her say that and to realize it didn't, I mean, how uneducated must you, must you be, you know, to be a high court judge and so on. It was the, it's a thing that we, very many of us suffer from. And, um, and where should we start? You know, uh, it was only in the 1970s when, I mean, I'm 48, so this is my mom's generation, but only in the early 70s that women were even allowed to have a loan on their own, in their own name. Before that, a male family member, whether it was the husband or father or whatever, you, had to sign off on that. And even in the UK in 1972, women couldn't actually own the money that they earned. That's that was insane. And so we have a generational gap of, you know, mothers being able to pass down to children and daughters uh, what, you know, how to manage, I mean, women are awesome at managing their money. Don't get me wrong. Like my mother ran our household. She could budget money down to the, you know, the, the pennies, but talk about investing, actually any additional wealth. That was the job of my dad. My mom had no idea what she was doing. And I, and so she didn't help me because she didn't know any better. That's, that's okay. So things are changing again slowly, but we have to realize we have generational gaps here, you know, where we're, we're catching up that this is money is a vehicle. I kind of hate myself for saying that, you know, I wish the world didn't revolve continually around money, but today it does. And when women don't, well, and I like to say, you know, um, people who have the most money get to decide what's most important, right? And what are the problems that are worth fixing? And if women don't have the money, then we don't get to say what's most important. Mm -hmm. And I get really excited about women having more wealth and figuring out, well, then, yeah, what are we going to invest in? What are the problems we're going to solve? And it's, it's absolutely coming. They say by 2030, there'll be another... $30 billion of wealth transferred into the hands of women. That's the baby boomer generation um, tr tr transferring, you know, the, the money down. What are we going to do then? Like how exciting. So, That's um, exciting. It, but we have to be willing to, even if we don't know, just to talk about it, like, you know, at the lunch, at the lunch hour over dinner with our friends, you know, uh, I mean, can you imagine starting a conversation about money with, with someone? I mean, it just seems crazy. Yet we do it all the time with child rearing tips and, you know, what we've seen on TV yeah. and work stuff, but we don't talk about money. So we, if we can get more comfortable, we can get more of our arms around it and get more confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. We got to start like, just like everything else, like desensitize it, like make it yeah. normal, just make it a part of conversation. I love what you said too, about, you know, your mother was fabulous with like, taking care of the finances, paying the bills, like managing the checkbooks that has been going on for so long, for so many generations. Like I remember my parents are divorced. Like it was not a good, you know, growing up life, but even in that situation, she managed that part. Right. And my father, same thing. He did the investing and he, I get this from him totally. He was an entrepreneur. And so while he was working, he created his business and then he eventually went off and on his own and became very successful and blah, blah, blah. But like, that was the gap. That was a disconnect, right? 
But it's so interesting. I even now I hear stories from my in-laws, same situation, right? She talks to me all the time. She's like, uh, my my mother-in-law, she's like, you know, I manage the checkbooks and, it, you know, checkbooks, it's not like that anymore, but, you know, God, God love her, right? You know, so she's like, I manage the checkbooks, you know, and she's like, and my husband, there's, my in-laws are fabulous. They're still married. They've been married for like 40 something years. And, you know, he, he did like, if we invested in stuff, he took care of that. And that's how it, we, we've done it for 40 something years. And I'm like, that's great. But she has no idea. Like, I'm sure like what a stock option is or what this is or anything. And so yeah. there's, you know, I'll talk to her about all these things because our relationship, my husband and I is totally different and revolutionary because I have the businesses I have, you know, I manage everything financially, you know, everything, but but we talk, but the difference is, and where I hope we're closing when what we're talking about here, Jane, is we do talk about everything and we have transparency about everything. I just happen to really enjoy investing and learning and doing like, he doesn't enjoy it as much, which is kind of revolutionary, you know, and, (laughs) and different. I really like crypto and I like investing in that. And I like learning about that, which is a very male dominated space. And Mm -hmm. so that was very much a learning curve for me. Right. And so there's all these different aspects, but I really like to invest in women. Right. And so that's a whole thing. So I had to explain that kind of stuff to him too, but it's a gap still to your point. There's still a gap because I am not the norm. I am not still no, to the thank you for doing what you're doing and also sharing this as well because it's <laughs> possible. It's absolutely possible. I, I'm a little bit behind, but also my husband and I also work together and talk about things and I feel very we just actually had a meeting yesterday with our financial advisor and it's always an equitable conversation. I mean, there's so many stories that you hear where it's just the the man of the house having the conversation with the financial advisor, and there's no idea about sort of really ha- what's happening right. with the um, with the with the entire family's wealth, and we have to change that because men will pass on average earlier, and then women yes. ah, like we don't have yeah all the skills to manage what we're going to do with that cash yeah, and we are smart enough to do it right we 100%. know that and we're good at it yeah I mean we're good at this we're managers. Yeah. We're managers. Yeah. We know how to do this stuff. Oh my gosh. Love yeah. that. Great but tip it, here. Yeah. I was gonna, and the, the last thing uh, before we move on, I think there's something that we could take real action with our daughters as well. hundred uh, percent. Yes. Yeah. That we don't, uh, you know, that we do take an early stance um, and we don't realize sometimes the maybe some of the uh, just bias from ourselves, just our own experience of growing up. Um, I, I speak for myself, but, you know, little girls are kind of taught really did not talk about money. It's kind of rude um, that it, they should take care of it. Somehow there's this belief that they're going to spend all their money or something on shoes or something, you know, um, it's just ridiculous. And yet boys are taught it's a vehicle. It's, you know, you grow it, you have Save it, grow- it and you spend once you have. Yep. It's, it's right. totally a yeah. different message. So, Women, it's like, spend it, look good, look cute, you know, have all this stuff. You're totally yeah. right. So the earlier we can start with our children, the, the better. Yeah. Right. Marry the messaging, marry the messaging. I love what we just unlocked. I love that. Can't wait, can't wait to read more about it. So you guys just got a sneak peek on one and five, right? Thank you. Yes. So, but I want to talk about this next part of your life and this journey. And I just think this, I was so drawn to, um, and it's near and dear to my heart because like you said, I work with quite a few nonprofits. So let's get into this. You are not only the founder, you're the executive director of the coaching fellow. And it's really important that we talk about this here because this is a nonprofit and you're helping women in leadership at nonprofits. But I'm going to let you take it from here because we've talked about coaching offline before this conversation and how the term coach can get, you know, in this in 2022, it gets thrown around a whole lot. So this is a very special project. I mean, a whole thing that you've done. So I want you to take it from here, Jane, tell us all about the coaching fellowship. This is incredible what you've done. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, And I have to second you on the coaching. I've I've always said coaching is a bit like a tofu word because it's kind of meh. And then you put whatever flavor and it just takes on the flavor of whatever it is. So, you know, there's a lot of 
a lot of that, I think. And and yet for me, so the, the sort of short, very short uh, backstory of starting the coaching fellowship was that I got access to coaching and leadership development when I kind of quote unquote sort of already made it. I was already part of the executive team at Mozilla. And then uh, suddenly all of this um, <clears throat> personal leadership stuff became available to me and it cracked my world open. I'd actually never spent time looking at what I valued most, what was really holding me back, like really the inside out kind of game. And um, I was wishing, really wishing that I'd have had an opportunity to have this when I was much younger. I held the belief that the younger you are when you get full access to yourself, then the more, of course, you're going to live your life on purpose, you're going to deepen your impact. Um, and, uh, you know, women between the ages of 25 and 35, there's not a lot that they have access to in terms of growing their leadership. They kind of have to do that on their own, reading books, watching YouTube videos, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I believed that the nonprofit space was um, missing out on bringing these young women forward. Um, so ended up, um, I quit my job, I got trained as a coach um, and ended up founding the coaching fellowship. So what we uh, what we do is, uh, is an app, it's a fellowship program. So uh, young women at nonprofit social impact organizations, they might be leaders within them, they might be the founders, executive directors, uh, will apply. And if they are selected, then they take part in a six month program with us, of which one part of it is executive coaching. So they get to work one on one just, just on themselves. So they get to work on themselves and their coach gets to work on them. And to do this at such a young age is really uh, just mind blowing and life changing for them. And then the other part is um, they are also getting connected with the most extraordinary other young women leaders all over the world in social and environmental change. So that community, that network piece is equally as important as the building of leadership capacity. Um, one of the things that I didn't, didn't mention to you before, but one of the things that broke my heart when I first started the organization was that 95, we, one of the questions we ask in the application is, what would you like to work on with your coach? And 95% of the, the uh, responses back was confidence. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. And these are, I mean, we had the co-founder of the Malala Fund apply. You know, these are these were uh, we we used to um, specifically be looking for choosing the fellows based on the scope and scale of their impact in the world. So, um, looking at um, uh, <laughs> sorry, names just come right out of my head. Um, ah, the founder of the Muse, anyway, um, and so really big impact organizations we, we helped initially um and it was just shocking 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 to me that this was they're doing all these amazing things not only impacting but saving hundreds and thousands of lives you know throughout the world and yet that was the thing that they needed to work on right to unlock uh, even more potential and so i was very demoralized and then i thought wait a second they're not asking me for a connection to bill gates or you know like a million dollars or something it was like well heck like we can work with that you know we yeah. can actually do something so if that is all it is then then we can do it um so uh the program has now swelled we've we've worked with 1300 uh, social environmental change leaders throughout the world. We serve about 300 women a year now. Uh, they've come from more than 80 countries. And you might say they're, um, I mean, they're working with indigenous populations in the Amazon. They're rehabbing child soldiers in Sierra Leone. They're in a city Detroit community workers, you know, working in mental health there. We've had a really big COVID program working with frontline women workers. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been a real privilege to, support them on their leadership journey. It's something that they wouldn't have ordinarily had an opportunity to work on. Absolutely. I mean, this is incredible. And I had no idea how large this program is. And like, I am totally fascinated by the fact that the 95% were saying confidence was what they wanted to work on. But it's also just something for, you know, me to take away, my listeners to take away that, you know, you can be doing something really great, right? And you can be doing something really big in the world. And we don't know what's always going on behind the curtain, right? And I always say like behind the curtain is like your, your body, your shell, right? Because 
sometimes you're, you're doing things and, you know, you may not know, right. In, inside of yourself, you may feel like you're lacking something and you just need that confidence to come from someone else and that reassurance and that guidance and that, I don't know, that next push. And so I guess this leads me to my next question for you, Jane, how do you qualify? Cause we just got done talking about, I love your tofu comment about coaches because it's, uh, I love that. That is so amazing because it's true. Right. And there's a lot of qualified coaches out there. There's a lot of amazing coaches out there, but the term is overused. And I hate that so much and hate is such a strong word, but I do mean it. I hate that so much for the incredible coaches out there that are certifying, that are doing incredible things from everything to physically training people to, you know, doing hypnosis, to doing leadership coaching, to doing whatever it is that you do you know, from the people that are like, I'm a coach because I decided one day, right? So it's really important. And that's why we're really strict on this podcast too, about who comes on here and Mm. talks about coaching. It's not something Mm. we talk about all the time. So how do you guys define that? Because I know you feel the same way because of your tofu comment, which is, I love it. I'm totally taking that from you. I love it. You can take it, take it. I will quote you. I'm going to be like, this is Jane. I don't need attribution. That's okay, hon. No, it's, um, yeah. How do you guys qualify though? Because you're dealing with some incredible women who are changing people's lives. So who are these coaches that you're bringing in? I'd love to know about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we work with it. It's about, it's almost about 220 coaches now from 23 countries. And, um, we've learned a lot over the last eight years. Um, so we, uh, in about three years in, we kind of had a significant kind of moment where we're like, mm, we kind of need to gracefully exit a, bun- a number, a bunch of coaches. Um, and then we started really rigorously interviewing and onboarding the coaches that we work with. So they are all, uh, they have to be ICF accredited, uh, trained and certified. Um, they have to have at least five, sometimes 10 years of experience in coaching executives. And we will say that it's almost harder to become a coach at the coaching fellowship than it is a fellow, I think. Um, so they go through two, three rounds of interviews and then they have to be onboarded. They have to agree to be onboarded and, and go through our program, uh, understand the program. So um, we are pretty, uh, very, we are very picky and pretty, um, uh, well, what I wanted to talk to was kind of our philosophy, like how do we see coaching? And uh, so I was trained at CTI, which is the Coaches uh, Training Institute. Um, and I have to dis- disclose Karen Kinsey House, one of the founders is on our, our board. Very lucky, Karen is amazing. That's amazing, um, yeah. She's awesome. Um, and uh, so they, it's sort of like called coactive, which for me is a whole person coaching. And um, so I want, I want our coaches and our coaches to have basically permission to coach the whole person. So this isn't just about professionals, this isn't just about personal, it is the whole thing. Like you are the same person, it's just you're experiencing life in a, in a different way at work or home. And, um, and uh, furthermore, uh, there's this kind of belief around holding someone naturally creative, resourceful and whole. So the coach is not there to fix. Like the person is not broken and they also have everything that they need to be successful. A coach is simply walking alongside them and helping them see this for themselves. So helping them help their self, helping them help themselves is the role of our coaches. So we don't give advice. We're not mentors. Um, we're not going to tell you how to do your cap table for your business or your fundraising strategy or your marketing, social media marketing or what have you, you know, um, we are going to help you help yourself. And that is the, that's the bottom line for the organization because you're going to come out much more powerful and confident if you've made the decision for yourself, right? And then you actually go and execute on it rather than me telling you what I think you should do. Right. Well, and you just nailed it too. More powerful and more confident is the objective of coming out of it. And how interesting because 95% or more are saying they're, what the, the what confidence is their concern. So, and it has to come from oneself, right? I mean, we, uh, we can encourage people forward, but ultimately it is in our lived experience that we're going to gain that, that confidence and that ability to feel like we can take the next step 
bullet. Yeah. And it's about your coach. It's really your coach's job to help them find that and realize it's already in them, right? It's already in them, but inspiring that to come out. I mean, you know, some of these people that you guys are working with, I just, again, I'm blown away because I work with executive directors, but you know, like, you know, I'm an event planner and logistics and like, they are doing some amazing things. So, you know, but I, I told you before we started, you know, recording that, you know, in the executive directors that I work with, they're all wonderful and fabulous, but I I do see where they could benefit from some leadership because they get thrown into these roles because they understand the mission and what they're doing. And they're very passionate about it, but who's teaching them the leadership, who's teaching them and coaching them in that leadership and giving them those skills or giving them that confidence, right? That they're they're telling you about, because it's not like a traditional career path, which, well, that's a whole other podcast for us, Jane, because that's what I talk about, you know, in my solo episodes, because even in in traditional corporate America, which, you know, from your past in Mozilla, there's not always those programs too. They're, they're there and we're lucky if we get them, but there's definitely not that going on in the nonprofit world, right? It's like, Go for it. We, you know, you're passionate. You're probably the right person for the job. Run with it, right? And that's Absolutely. not your skills that need to happen. So mm-hmm. I think this is incredible that you guys are doing this. Like this is Thank amazing. You. Yeah. Thank you. I well, I could get on my soapbox because there's absolutely enough money in the world, right? There's enough money in government, there's enough money in businesses. And yet it just blows my mind that the most persistent and perennial problems of our world are being left to be solved by people who have to fundraise their own salaries, right? And of which 75% are women (laughs) who do not get the support. And then we wonder why we still have poverty and we still have humanitarian needs and we still have children dying every four seconds of malnutrition you know it's just like these these are not problems in the 21st century that we should have but we're yeah anyway (laughs) that's uh i agree it just kills me yeah so whatever we can do to help uh, these uh, the leaders of nonprofits and social impact orgs thrive to get to make these problems go away forever that is what we need to do so if I'm an, I, I, Jane, we could I do that. That's so like another podcast too. We could talk about that for, cause I'm so passionate and that's why I feel so lucky and blessed that I'm able to work with um, mostly nonprofits as my clients, because I'm able to align my passions as well. It's really beautiful when you get to do that. And I know you yeah, understand that. Living your values. Yes. Aligning your values, which is leadership once again, right? When you can align your values with what you do. So tell me this though, how do people find when you're an executive director or you, you founded a 501c3 or you're, you know, trying to help or, and you're like, I am lacking my confidence or I need some help. How do people find you? How do people find out about Jane or how do people find out about the coaching fellowship? Like, are you guys actively looking all the time or is there, I know you have your website, which I want you to share in just a moment, but like, how, how does the process work of, of you finding these people? Because we just talked about the coaching side, but if I'm an executive director, if I just founded my 501c3, but I'm like, I'm struggling. I need to, I need Jane, but I don't know about Jane and her group. How do I find you guys? Right? Like, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, firstly, uh, thank you so much for saying that. And also uh, this is part of our challenge actually as well is getting the word out there. So I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to, to be on your show. Um, So as you said, we do have, we have the website, we, we run two big, fellowship programs a year. So we work with about 150 women each program. Um, So that is normally in the spring and the fall when applications are open and you can go to the website and register anytime just to get kind of notified when the applications are open again. Um, So that is kind of our current model is these two big fellowship programs. Um, So, and the website, uh, which is, it's all of the words which sound like you need to phonetically spell them. So I always mess it up, Uh, but it's uh, TCFS. So, um, .org, tcfs.org, or if you were to find me on LinkedIn, you'd find the organization um, on LinkedIn that way as well. 
And we're going to put all that in the show notes. So that'll be Thank easy you. for everybody to find and in the blog. So that'll be easy. But I Thank just you. was curious about your process. So there's two, basically two times that you do an intake. And so you split that 300 into 150, 150, right? And then, yes. the co- and then with your coaching size, it sounds like there's, there's more coaches than there are people in the program. So there's a lot of resources happening, right? We do. Well, the other thing that we've started doing the last couple of years is also working with aligned organizations. So we, uh, so for example, we just recently became the coaching partner of the Cartier Women's Initiative. Um, so they work, they've been around uh, since the nonprofit philanthropic arm of Cartier. Um, and they've been doing this for 15 years, working with social impact, women, social impact entrepreneurs. And so we'll provide coaching to their women leaders. So other women aligned nonprofits and impact orgs, we also um, support them with access to coaching. So that's, that's kind of how. Yeah, wow, thank you. And I mean, I have to say all of our coaches are volunteers. They're extraordinary, just That's giving awesome. their time. And just as you, uh, just wanting to help as many women leaders as possible and uh, really wanting to play their, their part, do what they can to, to elevate them. Yeah, that's what this podcast is all, all about. It's my labor of love and and empowering women because, and, and I think you said this too, and I was wearing this shirt the other day and then I read your intake. I was like, oh my God, but empowered women empower women. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're so aligned. I love this. <laughs> so it's great. Um, okay, so share again the website. So if, if someone wants to go and apply, they can. So when are applications open again? Fall, right? uh, actually, um, so sorry, it's um, the applications for the fall will um, open in June. Um, so oh, it's not okay, that far perfect. away. Actually, perfect. it's coming up. This will be great and timing. Okay, perfect. It is actually, yes. And the website is tcfs.org. Or if you perfect. search for the coaching fellowship, you'll absolutely find us. Perfect. Perfect. And if Thank people you. would like to purchase your book, Jane, where can they go to purchase your book? Are you on oh, Amazon, your website? Bless you. Yes. Book? Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Amazon, uh, of course, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff does everything. Uh, so, um, but also Barnes and Noble. And uh, I know uh, people care deeply about their local bookstores. So um, one's able to order it into your local bookstore as well. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll put all of this in the show notes too. But before I let you go, I want to ask you one question. I ask this all the time on the podcast. I think you've talked about it a little bit already. When do you feel like you really stepped into your like leadership? When do you really feel like you became the leader of your life? I think in my opinion, it's when you started the coaching fellowship and when you unlocked the book, but in your opinion, I want to hear it from your perspective. When was that moment for you? He just took the words out of my mouth. My (laughs) (laughs) listening very well here. I know it's, it was exactly, it was exactly it. Um, I was a bit confused, I have to say. So when I, um, I quit my big job at Mozilla to go get trained as a coach, and I thought that was what I was going to do. And um, it turns out, sorry, pardon, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, I don't know. I think I'm an okay coach. Um, uh, but I'm, what I really do is build distributed systems, which is what I did at Mozilla for 10 years. And, um, and I almost threw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, so it was just, that was really a moment in time where I thought that I wasn't supposed to do this job at Mozilla anymore. And hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I think I was doing the right work. It just needed to be for a different cause. And I was able to align with that. So that congruence as we were talking about the passion and values and what we're good at. I found that congruence in founding coaching fellowship and then um, unlocked. Someone asked me, what did I learn? This was a few weeks back. They asked me, what did I learn about myself in writing the book? And I learned um, that I have a voice and uh, that might sound silly. I don't know, but I, I think didn't... that sounds beautiful. I just didn't think I had, I just, I'm not one actually to stand on stage. My husband's the most incredible public speaker and I, God, you like pay enough to pay me so much money to do what he does every day. Or or I don't know, make all those problems go away in the world. Then I would probably get over myself and do it. But um, I struggle, 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 struggle to be that uh, spokesperson and um, and writing the book and being able to share what uh, how I believe the world should be and with women at its center um, has allowed me to really find my voice in doing this and it is a joy to talk about this work joy to talk about 
how I think the world should be. And um, so, yeah, it's those two of moments have been uh, really just pinnacle for me. And I don't know where it's going to go next, but um I'm I'm here and I'm I'm doing it. I love it. I, it's going to go lots of places. So my last question for you is: What is your last piece of advice for women? Because the the podcast is predominantly women in twenties, thirties, some in their forties, stepping into leadership for the first time, climbing the corporate ladder, maybe stepping out into entrepreneurship. That's kind of the my listeners. And uh, what is your last piece of advice you'd give them stepping into their leadership, maybe for the first time, or kind of stepping into what they want to do? What's some advice you'd give them, Jane? I know this is really hard <laughs> for us to all take, but I really want us to encourage to trust ourselves. Like we do, we do know what we're doing. You know, we're, um, I think that would be the piece of advice I'd have given to myself when I was younger as well as just, to, I, I knew exactly what I was doing. I just let other people, you know, get, in my, get inside my head, uh, whether it was, I wasn't good enough or, I didn't think I could do it or, you know, it was foolish or what have you. And yet um, I was on the right path. I just allowed myself to get derailed. So keep cultivating that trust within inside you. Surround yourself with other people that also see this in you. And they're going to reflect that back to you um, because women, we're powerful beyond measure. And I think it's just terrifying <laughs> to the world that we can unleash that. And the more of us that do it, the more we'll bring more, more other, more women with us, you know. Or that we can unlock that, right, Jane? <laughs> I should be more on message, shouldn't I? <laughs> okay, that's what I'm here for. So I love that. You know, it's I, I always ask these two questions, and every woman that comes on has a different answer. And it's so beautiful, and I find that so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. But yes, trust yourself, because the answer is within yourself. And that's so beautiful. Jane, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. Thank you. It has. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful questions and conversation. I've got to learn more about you too, which is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for joining us again for Motivation Monday with Maya. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.